Hi, I'm Jules Hamilton, and this is the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. It's a chance for all of us to hear stories of people making a positive change in the world. The Good Summit is a space of gathering to celebrate common good in the world and to cultivate more of it. Join the Tribe of Good by signing up to our mailing list at thegoodsummit.com and learn where our latest gatherings are taking place, who is going to be there, and how you can get involved. Help us help you make the world a better place. At the Good Summit 2018, actor Liam Cunningham, best known for his role as Davos Seaworth in Game of Thrones, wowed those present with his no-nonsense attitude to good in the world. A fierce advocate of human rights, peacemaking, refugee and immigrant entitlement, and a better world, Liam is a staunch supporter of several charities, most notably being an advocate for World Vision, the world's biggest children's charity. Born in Dublin, trained as an electrician, Liam found his way into acting and eventually into the prestigious Royal Shakespeare Company. With numerous roles on stage and screen, we do not take it for granted that this award-winning actor cares enough about the world to hang out with us and help us have the conversations that matter. As they say in Liam's world, actors to the stage, it's showtime. Liam Cunningham, welcome to the Good Summer Podcast. It is a sheer delight to see you again. It's lovely to see you too, sir. You're you're looking fabulous. Uh, you, I, I can't. Uh, people can't see you. I I can, but it looks like lockdown has been kind enough to you in some ways. It, ha- it hasn't been too bad. What have, Liam? What have you been doing? Um, well, I, I I know what I haven't been doing, and that's not much acting. Um, I've in fact just uh, um, just before I joined you, I was finishing up, just doing a, f- a bit of tidying up on. Um, a very nice idea. It's a twelve-part for uh, Audible, um, the audiobooks people. Yeah, yeah, and we're doing a new, a new kind of thing, which is essentially, I suppose, in in the old age we would have called it a radio drama, but now I suppose they call it a podcast, um, and it's called Impact Winter. These podcasts and are never going to catch on, Liam. The podcast business. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did, I did tweet that a while ago. Um, the internet. Uh, here to stay or just a passing fad? <laughs> I said, just for the, just for the laugh. I said, um, but uh, but it's really interesting. It's kind of a, a, a post-apocalyptic dystopian future with vampires and all sorts of stuff, and there's um, all sorts of um, nice people in it. And, um, but it's basically set in England, so I'm I'm, I'm ex MI five or MI six in that one. Um, so I've just been doing that. But but my last time in front of a, a camera properly was December 2019 um, wow. when I finished that thing about ancient Rome in filming in Rome in Chinachita Studios in Rome. And uh, things are starting now as we speak. Things are starting to loosen up a bit. So I'm hoping I'm hoping to be filming sometime at the end of next month, although I haven't got the exact dates because it's all still a bit up in the air because of COVID restrictions and whatever. But um, but I've, I've, it's been a time for reflection the last year I think it's been like that for a lot of people yeah I was going uh, to say what, what what did you do how did you get through that because having your industry just ripped so suddenly like I have friends who were touring 
touring live at, at, at that time. And it was yeah. literally, you know, yeah, you're not going on tonight. We're done. Go yeah. home. Yeah, we've had that. We we've had that with in in movies, with um, productions been shut down. I mean, even you know something as high profile as the new Batman that's being filmed, which you can imagine the amount the budget on that, mm. and that was knocked down twice. I think Robert Pattinson, who's the new Batman, he um, uh, managed to um, uh, catch uh, COVID, uh, and that was I think either the second or third time they had to shut down production. And when you've got 1,500 or 2,000 people uh, and one person gets sick and they just have to pull the plug on the whole production, uh, you can understand from a financial point of view, it's a nightmare for produ- for, for producers and, and the studios and whatever. It's very difficult to plan. And uh, making movies, planning at the best of times is a, is a, is a military operation, you know. So um, it's been a nightmare. Um but but even more so, you know. I, so I, how did you survive? Well, bizarrely, I've I'm still in the house. I, I was in the last thirty years. Um, I, I've I've um, a pathological mistrust of money. <laughs> <laughs> more, it's not actually about the numbers or the zeros. Uh, it's just uh, I'm not sure I trust myself with large quantities of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I keep my life simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest luxury I have, Jules, is is the ability to say no to stuff. Absolutely, uh, that's uh, I consider that a luxury. And and in the past, I got myself in uh, in, in a bit of trouble with the tax man, probably about fifteen years ago. And the stress and strain of trying to repay loans, fines, penalties, and all sorts of things, which took me, you know. It's a, a peripatetic life that the actor leads. Mm-hmm. That it's very difficult to plan. Even paying back uh, your debts uh, and the stress attached to that. So you you won't um, you won't see me driving around the streets of Dublin or Ferrari anytime soon. <laughs> um, uh, I have my my little my little car outside. I've most of my bills paid. So basically, what I'm saying is my 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 outgoings. Uh, are very uh, aren't aren't particularly heavy, um, and I I thank God I put my whatever few quid I made on Game of Thrones away for a war chest. Mm-hmm. So I've been dipping into that. Um, there's nobody, the six of us in this house. None of us have claimed any of the pup and any of that. Um, my son is a chef; is still being paid. He's a first year; he's an apprentice, kind of our second year apprentice. So uh, the lovely people at the restaurant where he is, they want they wanted to hang on to their staff, so they were actually paying the wages. I have my daughter, um, who actually has lectured in Trinity College. Yeah, um, my eldest daughter, my eldest child, uh, and her fiance. They both lecture uh, in Trinity and DTU. Uh, they've managed to work from home. Um, and my other son, uh, who just got his degree in November 2019, and he worked in uh, network uh, uh, organizations and office, IT stuff. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when all the offices shut down, he um, uh, there wasn't really anywhere for him to, to work. So we've kind of been putting our feet up. However, on the plus side, my children are at the age when they're uh, getting ready to fly the nest. Yeah, and the good news for me is, I had them all hostage in the house for the last year, <laughs> and I, 
And I like being around these people. They they get me out of bed That's in the morning. They're gorgeous. They, I, 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 they make me laugh. I'm um, I'm very very family orientated. That's uh, brilliant. And, um, so so I've had them I've had them trapped in the house for the last year. I That's have cool. not had to put up with what a lot of people have with with the loss of loved ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. With huge sickness. With with uh, you know worrying with major health scares and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and it's made it's it, it, from a psychological point of view. I, I've kind of it's the first time in thirty years of being an actor that I kind of um, sat back and wasn't expected anywhere. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to get on a mm-hmm. plane. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to do any of that. Uh, and I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I, I said to my youngest son, he's twenty. I said to my youngest son. Um, uh, exactly what I'm telling you. And he looked at me and he says, Dad, that sounds like retirement. And I looked at him <laughs> and went, and he wasn't, he wasn't being, you know, he wasn't being sarcastic or cynical or anything like that. And uh, he's sort of right. I was kind of enjoying the downtime and enjoying my own time and, 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 and the peak of the day being about what do we have for dinner? Will we, let's call yeah. it, uh, buy something nice in the supermarket. And uh, I've been living yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last year. It, bizarrely, a strange thing to say, but I've been Doesn't I've been living. I haven't strange. been working. It, it's uh, you know you, you mentioned the word reflection, and that like this is an incredible yeah. kind of chance to sit back, take a breath, um, to connect with family around you in, in ways right. that you know if you're jumping on planes and and all the rest of it. It's 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 actually it's really heartwarming yeah. to hear you say that, Liam. Actually, to say that that's been one of the bonuses of the experience. It really has been, Jules. It has, you know, at the outset, everybody was scared, biting their nails. Where's this going to go? Is, is this going to be another a Spanish flu or whatever it may be? I mean, it really, it flipped the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, a full 180. But I think, I know friends of mine that are reflecting on what they've been doing since they left college or whatever it may be. And, and and actually, how important is it to get an extra zero on your pay, on your wage packet? How important is uh, you know the, the bigger house? How important is uh, all those things? And uh, it's it's astonishing. That, and, you know, my friends are kind of they're, they're they're very surprised. They're surprised at their thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In in a if, if you know what I mean, yeah. uh, it hasn't been barefaced ambition or competitiveness in, in their chosen profession. I've actually sat back and, and went, I'm actually allowed to, to do something for myself or, as you say, my family or whatever it may be. Uh, and I think a lot, a, lot of, a lot of good will come out of this. I think a lot of good will come out of it. And those questions are going to continue, Liam. You know, there's going to be, you know, people who've had the chance to sit back, take a breath and say, hold on just a second. What? What has been going on? What is going on around us? How are things different? Yeah. Um, what What about for you as you as you come out of this space as you begin to look to work again? How do you think you are different? Um, Apart from having more I energy, think I'm, I've become a little more. <laughs> I'm quite nervous. Even this job that I, you know, that I that I should be going on to barring disaster. Um, I I thought it's it's kind of bizarre because the, the job I do. Is is essentially circuits, in a, in a way. You know, you go up and you meet a totally new bunch of people in a strange town, and 
And every time I do a job, it's a whole new, usually a whole new bunch of people. Um, you might find the odd ally that you've worked with before, which you're delighted to say hello to, just for just to see a familiar face. Um, I've always kind of, every job I've ever done, I've always been kind of nervous on the first day that um, the talent police will come along and arrest me. They, they, they've, they've given the job to the wrong man. <laughs> um, and uh, so... Um, uh, High, very well, I, think, I think I think we all are on the first day of something new, and, and I tend to do it might sometimes three or four times a year, and um, um, it's kind of it'll be no. Di- I think it'll be it'll be no different. I'd probably be a little more nervous and a little more have a little more trepidation or whatever. But but um, as my mother says, hunger is a great sauce. So looking for work and. Uh, and getting out there and telling stories. That's what we do. It's, you know, my profession is storytelling. But I'm sort of, you know, I, I, I like it. I think it's, I think it's in our DNA. Um, we, you know, the Irish specifically have never had an empire, never had to run half the world, or, or we've never been imperialists and stuff like that. We've always, we, which it's only in the last uh, hundred years that we've that we've shown any semblance of 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 wealth and and privilege and, and position and stuff like that. And I, and I think we kept ourselves entertained uh, with stories um, of, of lives, of, of myths and legends, and all that sort of thing. So we're, I think we're born kind of storytellers and we have a need to do it. Uh, I, th- I think it's one of the reasons we have pub culture here as opposed to cafe culture that they'd have in Paris and stuff like that. We do like sitting, you know, we do like yeah. sitting down and yeah. and uh, and having a chin wag. Um, I just, I just made a living of it, <laughs> like many of us want to. Yeah, um, Liam, you've you've been at the Good Summit before, and you shared some of those yeah. stories. And one of the things, well, for example, I, I I told my my sister who I was speaking to today doing the podcast, and I said, "Oh, you, you remember Liam? You heard him interviewed at the Good Summit?" She's like, "Oh, he's so lovely." Yeah. You know, so it's just. I tell you, when, whenever, whenever you were. Whenever, whenever you are with us, people just talked about your sense of being grounded and your sense of, 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 of being earthed and being real. And that's not everyone in your profession, you know, off films and TV. Not everyone kind of comes across that way in real life. But what, what, what do you think? How do you think you became someone? For example, like you work with World Vision Ireland. That yes. You're an ambassador for World Vision. How? How, what is it that is set within you that actually makes you care about that stuff? Or what has happened in your story to make you pick up some of, uh, some of those stories? Very, very simple. Very, very simple. Uh, my philosophy is, is, is if I were in the position of these people, I'd, I would love people to help me. I would need people to help me. It, 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 the mathematics are very simple on this. I'm in a position where I've, able to feed my kids. I have a roof over their heads. They have freedom from fear. And anybody that is in that position that, that have taken those basic, had those rights taken from them, uh, deserves help. And, and because they're usually, they're usually innocent. Um, I think it was, and the statistics that up to the First World War, the percentages of casualties in war we're 95% military, 5% civilian. And in our recent wars, uh, th- those two figures have completely changed. They've gone vice versa now. It's 95% civilians, 5% combatants. 
because militaries have become so efficient at protecting their own um, uh, um, while, wow. while demoralizing whatever state they want to destroy by, by murdering men, women, and children. Um, it has more effect, of, as an American general said, you have to remember that war is, uh, the nature of war, war is about cruelty. And that's what the purpose of war is, to be cruel. Um, and they're very effective at that. Uh, and the people that run away from these arenas, these battlefields and cities, which are eventually now, as we know, cities, um, uh, if they have made the very dangerous journeys to, to, to get away from combat and, and war, um, the very least that, that people should do is, is try and assist them until that war is over and then return them to, to their homes. The mathematics, uh, the, you know, it, it, the, 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 it's very simple. There's no uh, politicians and diplomats overcomplicate the issue and try to muddy the waters to prolong. And, and I, I have very little time for that. Have you got involved politically? Uh, you know, do you have you begun to use your voice um, to, to kind of be politically active in in those issues of people displacement and refugees? And At the same time, Jules, I'm, I'm aware that, as I like to say, I'm just some bloke off the telly. Um, however, um, <laughs> I, I, I I'm I'm whinging about the same things uh, that I whinged about when I was in my late teens and twenties, uh, and at that yeah. time I would have been yeah. viewed as as rebellious. When you're in your late fifties, about to turn sixty, you you can be seen as curmudgeonly <laughs> for having the same views, <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or grumpy, or whatever the word is. Um, I just the the whole idea of taxpayers' money being spent on the manufacture of bombs and planes to drop those bombs uh, on on people, on innocents and children who are looking up at the skies, and um, through, uh, through our tax money, which all of us give without the military in mind. I think we all give our tax money for education and health, public services, the wages of the public service, um, uh, and all those lofty ambitions. When, when portions of that money are taken uh, for weapons of war, um, I find just disgusting. Um, uh, and, and you can argue all you want that you have to defend people You've got, listen, Costa Rica and Iceland do not have a standing army. And I don't know the last time either of those countries were invaded uh, or taken over. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. War is created by armies. If we fund armies, war happens. Um, And uh, and I still feel the same way. Um, The people who are involved, uh, and they're celebrated. They're given medals. For 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 dropping bombs on people and uh, and usually in enemy places, I don't see ever any need. Militaries are defence forces. If you have to have them, if you insist on having, them. which means in my in, in my humble opinion that if anybody comes near your shores with an army, you defend yourself against them. You just defence forces are against invasion. They're not there to promote what your ideas of democracy are or uh, or any methods of of uh, of, of making uh, a country kowtow to your geopolitical ambitions uh, and i just despise that militaries are used for political ends and murder and mayhem and annihilation and genocide are the methods of doing that i find it bestial and i find it psychopathic 
uh, and I find it disgusting. And uh, those people will never impress me. Uh, I, I, I look at them with disdain, with nausea, um, and there, there's, there's nothing to celebrate from that point of view. It's fair to say then, Liam, that you're a man of peace. I am a man of peace. Out of peace comes love. Out of peace comes creativity. Out of peace comes concern. Uh, the other stuff comes paranoia, comes mistrust, uh, become, be, becomes divisive, becomes division. Um, and it's usually the people on your own side who are demonizing the other side that lead um, children into wars on their behalf. Um, that's one of one of the obscene things with with these uh, the psychopaths and suits, um, you know, that we see that making an en- the enemies and making, as we see it at the moment, trying to make enemies of China, Russia, um, uh, to the West. Um, when I see no threat, there's no, uh, there's no, I don't find any Chinese or Russian people coming to my door uh, uh, telling me, they, you know, they want to throw me out of my house uh, or, or make me work for them or, or any of that stuff. Uh, and I think, I think a lot of these places uh, rattle their sabers to try and uh, make themselves relevant. And, and as we know, I mean, specifically with the U.S., the, the 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 time of the U.S. is coming to an end, and they won't. The, their influence on the world, the 20th century was, uh, uh, and some of the 19th century was the American century. Um, that's no longer true. It's the, it's the same. America's going the same way as the British Empire. It's it's a thing of the past, the same way as the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire and all of those other empires. Their time is over, but they just need to accept it, and they won't. This podcast is proudly supported by the amazing folks at Thought Collective, a team of designers and developers who create brands and digital products to captivate the crowd and communicate effectively. They make the Good Summit look great. Check them out at www.thoughtcollective.com. We will be putting this podcast out probably in, in a few weeks, Liam. So, but the day that we are actually recording, yeah. I'm not sure what it, what the news looks like for you, but I, I know that um, I have been involved in human engagement, peace initiatives in the Middle East, uh, getting together British, Irish, Palestinians and Israelis. And so what we're seeing on the news at the minute as kind of the center festival of, of Ramadan and what is going on uh, with the, the IDF in Israel and, and the violence and people on all sides being killed yes. uh, and just the disruption, the, the, the biggest, yes. uh, you know, the, the biggest struggles uh, in Palestine and Israel for, for, for years at this point, actually. I think it's about six years since I've seen this height of localized violence. Um, it must break your heart. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, it's 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 appalling, um, and specifically with Israel running um, on a set of rules that they've made themselves. They 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 have no no regard for international law. There are many many UN resolutions. The international, you know, um, the Court of Criminal, and uh, the ICC, um, is already investigating for. Um, um, the crimes against humanity and war crimes and to have an accusation like that um, against uh, people who have set up their country because of what happened to them in World War II and when the world is toiling around and saying you're committed, you're committing some of the same crimes 
um, as what happened to you during World War II. And there's not even a national embarrassment about that. They just, it's just seen as some sort of anti-Semitic uh, um, accusation, um, which, which I find uh, particularly insulting. Um, because uh, I, don't care, I don't care what I'm called, but to denigrate one's opinion about the behavior by saying it's because you don't like Jews is, is so insulting to people's intelligence. Mm-hmm. And it's not doing the Israeli government any favors at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And to have, you know, there's, I think somebody said, even the um, Israeli Arabs, which 20% of the population is, I think there's 67 different laws that are applied only to Israeli Arabs that are not applicable to um, Israeli citizens. Um, and every definition of apartheid that you can find, the <coughs> um, uh, Israel's behavior towards the Palestinian falls into that. And to deny that there that there that there's an, uh, that it's a, it is an apartheid regime is ridiculous. Even Human Rights Watch, which are very conservative about their accusations, have come out recently. Metzlem, the highest regarded human rights uh, organization in Israel, have have agreed, uh, and it's increasingly so. Uh, the other day, I I watched um, quite shocked to see the reporter on the ground. This is the, when, when the uh, IDF moved into the Al-Aqsa Mosque, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, the Muslims were on their knees praying in the open square, uh, not even protesting, just, just praying, and just launched uh, stun grenades, sound bombs, tear gas, uh, and included, including going into the mosque, the third holiest um, um, venue for, for, for Muslims mm-hmm. uh, and to do that to, to, to people who are trying to connect with their God uh, I, 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 I just cannot comprehend the thinking behind that unless you think that these people uh, are not worthy to be on, that you are more worthy to be on the planet or in that city than they are and that in itself is apartheid Liam, take some of these things that you talked about. Talk, you know, the um, invasions, uh, oppression, military might, displacement, people movement, immigrants, refugees, poverty, uh, lack of government care. What you, you said an awful lot in 50 minutes of, of stuff that is wrong with the world. Oh my goodness, were you well suited to be in Game of Thrones? What are some of the steps forward and what are some of the positive ways uh, that, that you want to see people take, that you take yourself, that, you know, a way to live that helps us move beyond some of these things? They are uh, there's loads of positive things happening. The thing about it is, you're going as the good summit. There's so many, many good things happening at the minute that they don't hit the headlines because yeah. solutions yeah. aren't as aren't as dramatic as failures. Um, there is there are solutions around the corner. They're they're within our grasp. Uh, world hunger uh, is very close. There's eight. There's uh, 700 million, I think, on the planet, according to the World Food Program, 700 million people on the planet that live, in, uh, that live with hunger, with famine. Um, we, we produce, we, we, we waste 
enough food to feed 2 billion people every year is thrown in the bin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of just uh, uh, incompetent distribution. Uh, um, so that that is a solution that's around the corner. We have the food to feed mm-hmm. the hungry. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be distributed properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The leaps and bounds specific in the last hundred years that we've made uh, for absolute poverty, yeah, uh, absolutely, have yeah. been remarkable. We have reduced the number, the, the consistent poverty. You've only to look at in microcosm. Look at the, this little island we're on. What has been achieved in the last thirty years? Um, uh, that that um, I mean, I, I was last night. I was showing. I found some stuff on the internet about uh, an area where my mother grew up and I grew up until about the age of seven and my son was looking at it, which is Dublin in a city around Sheriff Street, all that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was showing him uh, black and white footage from the 60s, uh, an RTE documentary where they went down uh, down there because of the poverty and the lack of work, unemployment, uh, amenities and... Uh, and the amount of the child deaths, that kids being run over on the road because they're not, you know, falling into drowning and just appalling stuff. And this is from the 60s. So what's that? 50, 60 years ago. Um, and we have come on and leaps and bounds since then. Um, a lot of the children of those children are now unemployed. Yeah. Um, if, um, you know, my father had to start working. He was full time when he was like 13 years old. I think he wasn't much younger than that when he got his first pair of shoes. Um, mm. And to have his granddaughter uh, lecturing in Trinity College is a you know is a fantastic wow a fantastic yeah. achievement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's all sorts. Look at look at it from from your end of the island. Uh, yeah. Look at what's been achieved in the last since 1998. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it will still take another generation, maybe a generation and a half. For mm-hmm. the, if you'll excuse the expression, for the dinosaurs to pass away. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the youth up there uh, are looking on the troubles as historical. Yeah. They're not looking for them as around the corner. There's still a lot of mistrust. There's still a lot of anger. There's still a lot of. Um, there's, still, there's still a lot, a lot of non mingling. Uh, but. It's slipping away. The ludicrousness of violence is slowly uh, sliding away and, and not becoming an option anymore because it's, it's a stupid self-defeating option. Uh, and that's going. So I think there's, there's huge reasons to be positive. Uh, however, we need, I think we, do, we, need, we need a global position on, on violence and state-organized violence that it's so frowned upon that it's not allowed. Uh, and I, I think that's that's it. You'll get blow-ups. Yeah. There was look at how many wars there was in Europe before, you know, up to World War Two. There was you know there was hardly a, a decade went by or whatever it may yeah. be or a few yeah. decades went by that there was the war in Europe, and that's what the EU was set up to do, and very successfully since World War Two. Um, and we need to continue with cooperation and and with with fraternity, with you know fraternalism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I think there's every lots of reasons to be very optimistic about where we're going as a species. Great. Um, and uh, uh, and long may it continue. Absolutely. Uh, it, uh, Liam, I was I was taken back to uh, to 
So Davis Seaworth and, and Serene there. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, for a lot of us, like I, 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 you know, like so many millions got sucked into the, to the power play yeah. and the violence and, oh my goodness, who's, who's leaving the cast this week? You know, those sorts of yeah, questions. Yeah. And well done you for, yeah. you know, getting for there. Sticking with, <laughs> with a promotion, Jules. I got Absolutely. a promotion at the end. <laughs> but, but that, you know, those scenes were, there's, there's some very moving parts of that where, where you, um, you didn't come out of character. You just showed a, a, a very different depth uh, to your character in the face of violence. Um, it, I, it, I think that was dramatically. And, uh, uh, I don't want to, as they say, as magicians say about magic tricks, I don't want to pull the wings off the fairy. Yeah. But that, that was, from the producer's point of view, the writer's point of view, was um, he was a device. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, he was a device uh, that was, as far as I'm concerned, uh, representative of the audience in the show. In other words, he, yeah, I think, I think so. He was a guy that turned around to all these people who were ravenous for power, for position to the extent that they would murder their own children. Yeah. And in Cersei's case, would murder anybody yeah. for harming yeah. her children and not, doesn't care how many. And, we, um, and, we, and it is entirely relatable to the real world. This illusion that people in uniforms with, with guns can do their talking for you. Uh, violence is failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's failure uh, to be clever it's failure to be human it's failure to be kind uh, it's failure failure to be reasonable it's failure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think in the show you needed somebody like like Davos and there was you know one or two others as well but Davos specifically who was this kind of fish out of water uh, an ex-petty criminal yeah uh, who had a, a a good mind uh, and uh, and a method of lateral thinking to hold up the crimes to the people that he worked for and said, you can't do this. This is wrong. And I, I, I think you needed, dramatically, you needed somebody in there to say to these various maniacs uh, that you can't do that because it will affect so many people. It will, it will, uh, it will destroy, you will destroy what you wanted to become, which was a, you know, uh, let's get in there and by any means necessary. Let's kill so we can get into a position to do good. No, if you've to, if you've if you've to do bad to get to the position where you have to do good, you're doing bad. Well, what what a brilliant um, part to play where you get to be the the conscience. Where you actually get get to be the mirror that gets held up to the storyline. Yeah, and actually, you. It was described to, as a moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not um, a bad expression. I don't know, read it somewhere, but it's not a bad description of it. No, no, that's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad reputation to come away from a TV series with either. <laughs> it's kind of weird, Jules, because I've played so many. I played, I played the devil recently when I was, when I was, uh, <laughs> although he was actually, he was actually okay because he came for the bad guys. Uh, uh, I, I, I kind of, I like those, those kind of characters that you, they may be one thing on paper in a in a character description, but they actually turn into something else. Yeah, uh, yeah that's yeah. the same with the show. When they contacted me first, when they mentioned it was 
uh, swords, horses, dragons. I went, let me stop you there. I said to my agent, Let's, let. and, uh, and my agent insisted on me reading the script. But when I read it, and as you know from watching the show, this, uh, it's the, 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 all the, 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 the fantasy side of it uh, is another device. Uh, so we can create a playing field where we discuss the effect of power. And the show is about the, the nature of power. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the absolutely. old, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. It's, it's, it's most yeah. definitely uh, along those lines. Yeah. Um, Liam, our time is almost gone. It has... Dun, dun, it's, dun. Been a, it's, 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 been, it's been a delight once again. Can I, can I ask you just in finishing what, what you're looking yes. forward to over the next 12 months? Because you, you spoke uh, very powerfully about your, your, your own time of reflection and having a family around and the difference yeah. that this year has made. What are you really excited for that, that, that's coming up? What about the next 12 months for Liam Cunningham? I don't know. I am, I'm hoping, that obviously, there's no, no surprise here that I do some good work. As with the nature of these things, probably, it's a bit of a sweeping statement, but 80% of everything is either okay, fair, unsurprising, or predictable. The 20% is the bit that we all chase. The stuff that yeah. is unusual, exciting, um, artistic, uh, and you chase the 20%. Mm-hmm. And of that 20%, you know, five, you know, half of that, 10%, and maybe even 5%, is special. So you chase the special. It's, very, it's, it's, it's rare you come across. I've been lucky enough Every kind of, and my hit rate, and I say this modestly, I, I've, been, I've been lucky that every few years I hit on something that I'm very proud of that, that is maybe uh, culturally uh, relevant. And we search for, search for those. They're usually the worst paying jobs, by the way, Joe. <laughs> um, and one does have to pay bills. <clears throat> and I do like the occasional infrequent trip to him to a nice restaurant and, a, and spoil myself with, a, with an occasional bottle of good wine. I don't need to live like that, but I would like to have a couple of quid in the bank where I can do it without um, having to pawn a, a pair of shoes. I'd like to yeah. do that. Um, yeah. So I'd say, yeah. as regards to the rest of the world, I'm very interested to see, now that the world is kind of starting to reopen, um, the people who, who are commuting for three hours a day uh, to get to work in an office who kissed their children when they were asleep, when they were leaving for work and came home from work and their children were asleep in bed. Uh, whether yeah. those yeah. incredibly valuable three hours will be permanently with them, that they can, they don't have to have birthday parties at 6.30 in the morning uh, with, with, their, with their children. Uh, I think uh, the whole, I think cities are going to get much more spread out. Uh, report mm-hmm. during the week uh, from uh, Henry Street, one of our biggest, uh, most busiest shopping precincts. That thirty percent of the shops that uh, of the shops that were uh, closed during the pandemic, thirty percent of them on Henry Street alone are permanently shut. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's all. And I think the same thing is going to happen with with offices. Uh, I think we have an opportunity if if we have some clever developers out there, or perhaps even our government, who are shirking on their responsibilities to house people. And 
I think there's going to be a lot of very empty uh, office blocks where people are now able to work remotely that could be converted into housing uh, for people. We could also allow people to to purchase homes so that they have a roof over their head when they reach pensionable age instead of being uh, thrown out on the street when they won't be able to afford these extortionate rents when they hit when they hit their 60s and whatever, and that they can relax knowing that they have a, a bright um, elder years ahead of them. Um, but I think we need some joined up thinking uh, yeah. to utilize totally. the opportunities that we've been given. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam, here's two more of it. Here's to more joined yes. up thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you for sharing your heart and your soul and your, your wisdom with us again in the Good Summit uh, please come back sometime we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch it's, all, it's always good to see you you can't get rid of me that easy Joe. you can't get rid of me <laughs> not planning to me not planning to at all uh, Liam Cunningham uh, all the very best for, for the jobs coming up and May the next 12 months be even more full of reflection and specialness than you find in, in yep. the, 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 the difficult last 12 months. Thank you so much, sir. Wise words, Jules. Wise words. Cheers, Jules. Nice talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your week and I'll see you soon. This has been the Good Summit Podcast. Brought to you in conjunction with Forfi. It was produced by Lee McMahon with Eva McNulty for the Good Summit. Music was provided by the fabulous Ian Archer. Stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Good Summit and find out all you need to know on www.thegoodsummit.com and come back and join us again next time. Till then, go forth, do some good. Peace to you and to the world. world.